and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Bob Pod. Join me as I'm given the chance to introduce us for two weeks in a row. Is one Ethan Huffman with Richard sitting out this one. Ethan, how you doing? It's a great day to be alive. It's nice and chilly in Portland. The rain has come. It's now I now feel like a true Portlandier. This is my second time around going through winter. Uh, yeah, so it's a good time to be here. It's a good time to podcast. Let's get into it. Yeah, definitely excited. And we're continuing our series of doing conference tiers. Last week we did Eastern Conference. This week we're doing Western Conference tiers. And a lot of this was Richard and Ethan had discussed it way beforehand. And then Ethan put together some tiers and him and I are just going to go through it. We we got five tiers for the Western Conference. And we're going to start off with the first top tier. Now in the East, you had a few teams, a couple teams up there in the top tier. But in this one, the West, Ethan, we only have one team right now in the top tier. And I believe you're referring to the Phoenix Suns as our top tier team. That's right. If, if, if we're playing in um, golf scores, um, they would be they'd be the top. <laughs> still the bottom because they're number they're ranked fifth in the tiers and also by themselves. But no. Yeah. In all seriousness, we are talking about tier number one, which is only the Golden State Warriors. Now, you can get on to me as the Pistons have increased their win streak to five wins. Shout out, Richard. You said you were going to get some pod, and then you couldn't pod. So, anyway, Warriors uh, get took another loss. Um, but, you know what? The thing is, like, they're not healthy. They're still the best team in the league. If you told me a series was starting with any team in the league, anywhere, doesn't matter location, who, you could give all the home games to the opposing team. I would say Warriors still win four games out of seven. And that's just how I feel. I, I, I don't think this team can be beaten in a series as current where we're at currently. And it's unlikely that they'll get beat in a series going forward because lest we forget, they still have to add Draymond Green back to the rotation and one DeMarcus Cousins, who even if he doesn't close games, is a crazy good 25 minutes a game in a bench role, even if he's Ooh. like a nominal starter. Like, it doesn't matter. He's going to play minutes. He's going to make – where the like second unit slash boogie unit is, un- it's, it's, it's too hard. It's too hard to beat this team. And that's the thing that I was thinking of. People, people were saying, "Oh, the Raptors, the Warriors." I think ESPN came out a Twitter poll: who'd win a seven-game series? And I'm happy to report that at least 75% of America still picks the Warriors. And most of the comments were. Steph Curry and Draymond Green weren't playing. And you're kind of right. You have Steph Curry returning last night against the Pistons. Draymond Green's coming back, and Boogie's going to be getting into there. And then I imagine playoffs, if they're healthy, it's hard for me to see anyone beating them in seven games. I mean, the closest we really got was that Rockets team last year. And we kind of saw what their strategy was, but now they've kind of just gone the opposite way. And as, as much fun, honestly, I'll tell you this, though, Ethan. I wouldn't mind a Raptors Warriors series in the finals. I think that'll be a fun series I because agree. you pretty much have you have cohesiveness and death versus just talent, and you have some cohesiveness as well. But this is if the Warriors wanted this season, still theirs to win. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, I just want to look at that that crazy good game we had. You know, I, I had a funny mm-hmm. tweet. Cousin Sal of Bill Simmons podcast fame was. Tweet it was complaining about the refs in the football game. I'm guessing he says the refs are missing a great game. And I said, Yeah, shame they had to work. And I said, You know, Warriors Raptors is on. <laughs> I thought that was thought that was a pretty good tweet. Regardless, 
Um, the, the Warriors stormed back in that game without Stephen Curry, without Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant, you know, being the guy, which we all know he's capable of being. It's it's so odd to have a team that has two of those guys, Curry and Durant, and then a third guy like Clay Thompson who can win you a game by going for 60, and then even DeMarcus Cousins, like who is we haven't seen him come back yet, but he's another guy who, you know, but bef- right before he tore his Achilles playing for the Pelicans, he was be- uh, beating the Rockets kind of single-handedly that game by him, like him and Anthony Davis combined, but like he was the one having a great game, if I remember correctly, in that Rockets game before he tore his Achilles. Like, that's so many options, and then you have Draymond Green who changes everything on the defensive end. We all know this, but the Warriors right now are like have a 19th ranked defensive rating in the league, and that's not good enough. That's going to need to share up, but I think it will. I think they're going to get more serious. Like I'm not sure if he'll Completely reflect in the numbers because I think this team is does have a hard time self motivating at this stage mm-hmm. of the season, but you know it's there. And Draymond Green early in the season was showing that he's got his burst back to some degrees. Like it, it looks like he was more of a resting player last year. Like he he kind of wants that defensive player of the year this year. We'll see if he's healthy enough to get it. But I like this team obviously, and they're good. Yeah. Don't forget. Yeah, I mean that's that's all we got. I mean, there's not much to say about them, but everyone kind of knows what type of team they are and what they're going to be. Now, the second tier, here's here's one where I was kind of like, Ethan, am I sure? But then I kind of thought about it. And one of the things I told Ethan was, all right, we have this this West that everyone's separated by like a game or two. You lose a game or two in a row, and then you find yourself out of the playoffs. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, if these teams were to go against each other, who win a playoff series? Because your next tier, you have the Nuggets, Thunder, and Lakers. And these are teams for me too that also I feel like we can almost guarantee that they will be making the playoffs. That these are teams that we're gonna see in the playoffs. And let's start off with the Nuggets. The Nuggets had a great start and then they kind of hit like a lull. But the Nuggets, we all kind of said this would be one of the more fun teams to watch. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mike Malone with some of the best quotes, talking about the Lakers fan, the Celtics fans, and the Warriors fans, talking about Yes, they're all there, but they all get to walk away with a loss. Which that would have been a good hero ball quote of the week if we had if we had planned for this. <laughs> no, but either talk a little bit as far as we. I know we expected this out of the Nuggets, but is there anything in your mind or what you've seen that you're kind of like, all right, this Nuggets team is even better than I thought they would end up being, or it's kind of like, you know what, I expect them to be this type of team. It, it still confused me how their defensive rating is so well. I know they started off the year like really playing great defense, and but they're still ranked fourth and out of thirty yeah. mm-hmm. with one hundred and five point two defensive rating, and so like that that's kind of crazy to me. But I guess what well, I can look past that and say, you know what, their offense is is good, and it's only ranked eighth, and I I would expect that to you know go up and continue to be stellar. What I really find so interesting is there's no one guy that's really crushing it on an individual scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jokic would be the closest to that because he's getting seven assists to go with his 16 yeah. points. But I expect more out of him, honestly. I, I think he still has a, a way to ways to go in learning how to be a d- dominant offensive player because he, he has all the requisite skills to get to where he needs to get on the court between his passing vision and his like his, his handles are, are good enough for a, seven, a near seven-footer. But he doesn't. He doesn't assert himself offensively, and that concerns me because, like, sometimes Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, both those guys are good basketball players, really good spot up shooters. The thing is, sometimes they both are loose with the handle, and 
I think Jokic, because most other seven-footers that guard him aren't going to be poking loose for steals, he needs to become that guy who goes and gets the bucket. Will Barden, I think, will help that when he comes back and is fully healthy. You know, he's played two games this season. That's not what they were looking for with his new contract. But Paul Millsap's too old to do it. Jokic um, needs to be the guy, unless Will Barton's going to come back and do it all. But I, I would, I would still think Will Barton. That's not a hundred percent his role. Yeah, and just also too, just watching Jokic, you kind of see on the nights when he's just like, all right, I'm the best player on the floor. I'm going to take over, give me the ball. I'll create top of the offense, off a rebound, whatever you got them to do. And then those are the games where it seems as though the Nuggets are that much dominant when. Not when Jamal Murray's completely taken over, Gary Harris, but when Jokic is like, I'm going to do whatever I want against whoever's guarding me. And for what I've seen so far, yes, on the defensive end, he can be a liability, but on the offensive end, there hasn't been many centers or anyone in the league who's been able to stop him when he goes and gets to that level. And I do like how Paul Millsap, he kind of knows he's getting older, but defensively, he's probably one of the guys you want there behind Jokic out of all the players. Because you need a guy like that who knows where to be at, who knows where to position himself. He may not be the most athletic, but I believe all their stats show that when he's on the floor, his def- the defensive rating is that much better when Paul Millsap is on the floor. Yeah, it makes sense because he's always been a good defensive rebounder. He's the kind of guy that you know makes you get creative if you're going to dribble drive off him or try to do post moves like he. He's going to shut down the, your first option. He's going to make you yeah. go to the second thing, and that and that's a that's a hundred percent like that's a great point. But yeah, this team, like I like them a lot. They're all fun to watch. But like I said, it's 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 it bothers me that Jokic hasn't become like a more assertive player. And sometimes it's just not who you are. I know I know Dirk got got this label put on him for a long time when he was just trying to be a good teammate in Dallas when he was clearly the best player on the team and he needed to become more assertive. And that was one of the complaints coming out of the 06 finals is that he was still deferring to guys like Jason Terry and Josh Howard, even though he was definitely the, the reason that team was in the finals, but you know, it, it all worked out eventually in 2011, but you know, I, I think the team could be really good. It could be really special. It's just, we need him to step up. And maybe it might take a little bit. He's only 23 years old. Yeah. He has some time. Do you think Isaiah Thomas, is he going to provide much for the Nuggets? Or No. I I think the way Monte Morris is playing, like he provides a really important role of being a facilitator for a bench unit and for you know the, the few stars that stick around. I think he's a really solid player. You know, led the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio in his last year in college. Didn't really have any minutes this year, last year playing for the Nuggets. But he's a good little player, and I, I just don't – I don't see the spot for Isaiah Thomas. He doesn't make sense to me. You don't need help getting individual buckets. I thought it was a good sign when I didn't know Monte Morris was going to work out like this because I thought he was kind of going to go, going to go by the wayside with how he how he played last year. But um, no, if he, if he's playing like this, you don't need Isaiah Thomas. Send him away. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, let's bump over. Go yeah. ahead. Let's bump over to the Thunder now. Yeah. Who have the best defensive rating in the NBA, which is which is what we would expect from this kind of team. You know, we've got Paul George, Stephen Adams, and then a bunch of other guys, Jeremy Grant, who are all defensively inclined players, and they get they get by offensively, but they're not. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, defensively though, they're. I mean, minor setback though. What happened with Robertson? Uh, if you guys didn't know, recently he they were kind of doing some exercises, and they they found another fracture while he was doing that. He got he got hurt. And he's, I think he's out for at least six more weeks. You know, 
as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how much of a difference he makes. Honestly, like, I know he's a great defender, but if you're number one in defensive rating without him, he much help. He's such a negative on offense. Like how 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 much more do you really need? But the fact that you can go from from Stephen Adams and Nerlens Noel at the center, so you always are have the rim protected. That's that's huge to me. Like that's what I think one of the under like, probably things is not looked at is like the fact that they always have the rim protected. And who knows? I mean, for this type of team, there's probably a guy who. If he ever does come back, I think he's going to be gone for the rest of the season. That's what I think is going to eventually happen. But if he ever comes back, it will be good to have him off the bench. Yeah. But, it, but like you said, defensively, they're fine. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I was interested to see what would happen when you add another ball-dominant point guard because I want to see Russell play more off the ball. And I think in some games it does help out to put more ball handlers there because for me, Russ can be really dangerous with that. Paul George is slowly getting – I think he's getting more confidence to be the Paul George that we saw in Indiana. And I mean, he has his glimpse. Defensively, he's still a monster. Offensively, he's become an even better knockdown shooter. And Steven Adams is Steven Adams. Had one of a, a hero ball moment when Willie Colley Stein <laughs> tried shoving him. And Willie Colley Stein kind of shoved himself back. And then Steven Adams looked at him, looked at him and said, You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with Steven Adams. But let's talk about so last year. They they had their playoff series. They had their series against the Jazz. Can you see this team? I know they're not going to – Jazz are probably going to make it. Do you see them beating anyone in the first round out of the top eight teams? Um, I think I could, yeah, depending on what their matchup is. Like, I really fear, feel like the only team that's like mm-hmm. – like so, if the tiers worked out as the seedings. Like yeah. they would play either the Clippers, Grizzlies, Blazers, or one of the other teams down further. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, you don't know that yet, but that's where they're at. But like the Rockets are really the only team that scares me in matchup situations with those, just because they have the pure offense that can can really kill you. But the Thunder, I, I think, have figured out what they need to do offensively to get by, and defensively, to, if they play solid, it's good. I think the problem they they always will run into is what do you do when Russ starts being Russ and Russ can derail some games? Like, I mean, I, he's a great player, and he's going to get – I think I've said before, like, he's going to get you near or around 50 wins every season because that's the yeah. kind of player he is. He's going to drag teams, like bad team, bad game teams, through the mud and get them wins. But come playoff time, unless unless he's going to shoot well, you you can't depend on, on his offensive – like his – his burst because like everyone's gonna start collapsing every time he drives. He doesn't know, and you're kind of right. I mean, he's he dragged that one team in 16, 17, the MVP year, quote unquote. But if Russ got to the playoffs and he's just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna score twenty points and just focus on rebounds, get everyone else involved. I bet you the Thunder team would just go a little bit because that was the frustrating thing with him the last few years. It's just like, okay, I'm just gonna take it in, three guys on me. Either I'm gonna get a foul call or I'm just gonna throw the ball up and. Then after a while, he'll just like, all right, pull up three. I heard his recently his three point stat for this season. Do you have it in front of you? I know it. Hold up. It's possibly below shooting twenty one point seven percent from three. Oh my goodness, twenty one point. <sighs> and that's on four and a half attempts a game. Oh, so like this, you're kind of. I mean, I'm worried that he's he's just gonna keep chucking it up, but. If he decides to be like, hey, let's just, I'm going to provide this energy and do what you guys need me to do, this Thunder team will be so much better because I think they're deeper than they've been in the last few years. 
I, I mean, I just think it, it, it all comes down to like their defense, their defensive potential yeah. too. Because like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're deeper. Like, I think Dennis Schroeder gives them a completely new look as he becomes like the the primary guy anytime Russell's mm-hmm. off the off the court. Jeremy Grant is playing a lot better this year, being a much more effective player, better right? three point shooter. I don't know how long his three point. He's so he's shooting a thirty six percent from three right now, which I think that's probably as rosy as it gets for him. But yeah. I mean, he's he's it's something everyone knows that he's worked on. He he does limit himself pretty well to the corners. Um, and there's really no other like explosive offensive player. But the thing is, like their defense is so good, and and Russell Westbrook, even when in his misses, can can get up some pretty easy shots for the people because they get rebounds. Yeah. But, uh, so I think their depth comes on the defensive end, and that's what keeps him around. Um, but yeah, like Raymond Felton now being a third point guard instead of a second point guard is a pretty it's a pretty good third point guard. He was a decent backup point guard. Yeah. But their defense is what, where it's at. And if anyone can become a decent three point shooter on this team, you're going to, they're going to make some strides. Cause Paul mm-hmm. George right now is the only guy who really has the license to just chuck and duck because he's the only one who shoots a decent percentage. Yeah. But man, I, I agree with you. Russ Westbrook could change his mentality, which he won't. Um, basketball would be so easy for that guy. All right. Um, next team. We have the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I hadn't really done much far looking up, looking them up until we were getting ready for this pod. Ethan, so I've been watching. I mean, LeBron's, LeBron's being LeBron. His shooting sucked in the beginning, but he's kind of, I mean, he's shooting 52% field goal, 37% three-point shooting. I mean, this got what you wanted, but I'm kind of looking at the rest of this roster. I know they're young, but guys like Ingram, Guys like Ball, I don't know if it's just they haven't figured out how to play with LeBron, his style, and LeBron's figuring it out. I don't know how to feel about some of these young pieces that LeBron wants to keep there. And that's the one thing I have trouble with. I feel like LeBron's just – he's winning a lot of these games almost on his own, single-handedly winning these games. Who is the second most effective Lakers player? I don't know. Hit me. Josh Hart. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's the thing, man. Like, he's not the second best. Like, some people have been saying that, and like, I know they're kind of speaking in hyperbole, but he's been the se- he's been the second guy on this team because he's the one guy. Like, he makes the shots he's supposed to make. He takes the shots he's supposed to take. Yep. And that's defender as well. Yeah, and that's and that's underrated on this team because if you just go look at effective field goal percentage, which you can kind of even it out. Javale mm-hmm. McGee obviously has a really high one. Um, I'm trying to find Tyson Chandler if he like his is like pretty nice. Yeah, his his is pretty nice. But regardless, like no one else on this team is shooting a crazy great effective field goal percentage, and that's that's super problematic for a team that there's no reason that this team shouldn't be high high effective offensive. But they're I think they they're ranked 19th in offensive rating. They play with a ridiculous pace, fifth in the in the in the league. Um, the problem is they just haven't figured out how to move and play with LeBron. LeBron's like turn into kind of Cleveland LeBron, which is not a problem. I you know that's that's some people were dropping that but like that's a bad thing. I mean Cleveland LeBron went to four straight finals. Let's not forget that. Um it's just these guys aren't perfect fits and they're not gonna be perfect fits. Brandon Ingram is playing much better when LeBron's not on the court. And yeah. that's that's a problem because Brandon Ingram needs to be that second guy and he he doesn't look like he knows what to do when LeBron has the ball. Yeah it seems like and that's that's one thing I was telling you, whereas some of these other players who play with LeBron know, like, LeBron's always going to, you know, he's always going to be looking, even though he can drive almost any time. I think a lot of those Cleveland guys and even going back to Miami guys, they kind of figured out 
as soon as Le- LeBron drives in, they all kind of do let me rotate around the court and I can be in an area where LeBron can either throw it to me on the wing or I can just dive to the basket and get it. And watching the Lakers game, Ingram almost seems like he never really played off ball much. Like he's used to give me the ball, I'm going to go ISO here. Whereas if he was a guy who went to the basket almost every time, with his length, you would expect him to really get a lot more baskets. But I'm just really negative about this team, Ethan. Like LeBron is great, but it's only like, what, 25 games into the season? Yeah. Around there, 20, 22, maybe for them. But to some of these guys' defense, like I feel like Lonzo's playing pretty decent ball, mm-hmm. but he's just not a good fit because he doesn't shoot particularly well. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he's, he's kind of like Jokic in some ways where he just doesn't want to shoot. Like he had a wide open layup and tried to pass it back to Tyson Chandler. I don't even understand what that's about. It's crazy. Some crazy stuff that happens like that. And the thing that bothered me is that Lonzo, it seems like he's been able to get to the basket more. He know like Lonzo's a guy who knows where he's supposed to be on the court. Yeah. Just like you said, he can't shoot and he keeps passing up shots. Like there's a few times where I seen him, like when he's on there with LeBron, you're like, all right, this is a good pair. But other times you're like, LeBron is hesitant to pass it out to him sometimes because there's games in which when Lonzo's on, Lonzo's on, but when he's off, he's really off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I honestly think if they just had the the correct players around Lonzo and LeBron, you could it could work. Because I mean, Dwayne Wade was never a good shooter; like, he's yeah. just as bad as Lonzo in t- comes of range shooting. But the thing is, Dwayne Wade had had all that off ball motion, like you know Shane Battier would set a back screen, Dwayne would drive to the, like get to the rim if the pass was there. He would, you know, finish it, and if not, Shane would float out to three, and either mm-hmm. both players would fall with Dwayne, and you get open threes that way. And I just think this team doesn't have enough guys like a Shane Batty, like a, even a Chris Anderson who dive dive to the rim every time. Like, you definitely don't have a Chris Bosh. Like LeBron needs players who know, like, know where they need to be, and he needs to be able to predict them. And Kyle Kuzma's a loose cannon; you never know what he's going to do. Yeah, and and that's why I feel like Javale McGee is averaging like what twelve points. Because he knows his role. He's like, I'm going to set screens. I'm going to dive to the basket almost every time. And that's literally JaVale McGee's offense. He knows this is what I'm supposed to do. And LeBron's going to find him every time. And I think that those are things that are working out. And JaVale, as much as we may fun him in the past, he's a guy that works. But you have guys on there that, for me, just like Lance Stevenson, I haven't heard much about him. Caldwell Pope, well, yeah, obviously. I mean, he hasn't really played that much. But still, though, like. The only players, this, this is the big problem. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is shooting thirty-seven percent from three. Mm-hmm. The only player that's like, there's two players, that, three, three players technically. The Rondo's hurt. Three players shooting better than LeBron from three, and that's Lance Stevenson and Josh Hart, as and then Rajon Rondo's be the third one. But like the gap between LeBron and who's fifth in the team in shooting threes is forty, is four uh, percent. Like it goes from thirty-seven to thirty-three, and then thirty-two, and like. Ingram shooting 30%, Kyle Kuzma shooting just a hair under 30%. Like it these guys need to shoot like I, I think I think the stat the number I like to say is if you can shoot 35% chuck. If you shoot 33% take when you're open. Like but these guys aren't shooting 35% and it's a problem. But the thing is like in the tiers you said Lakers you play anyone of the teams that we haven't talked about in depth yet, the Thunder Nuggets or Warriors in a series, would you beat them in a series? I would still say yes, and that's why they're in this tier for me, even though they're b- below some of the teams um, that are. we'll talk about next. And that's the thing that gets me. I can see it where these teams below them, if LeBron was to take over, there's no one on those teams that can really bother LeBron. Whereas yep. in the 
in the Thunder, Nuggets, and Warriors, they have people who can make life hard and like for LeBron. But speaking of the next tier, let's go down to that next tier. We're talking about Clippers, Grizzlies, and Trailblazers. I call this the – for me, this was the unexpected tier. I'm going to call it like that, whereas I didn't think these teams – Blazers? Unexpected? Yeah, I didn't think – I thought the Blazers were going to regress after getting swept. Uh, that's that's the truth. I thought they are going to regress. Because you normally see that with teams in the NBA. Sometimes they have a bad series, and then we don't see them. But let's start off with the top of the pack, though. We have the Clippers. First in the West. They are technically first in the West right now. That is correct. And I'll tell you this, Ethan. Sometimes you get a bunch of guys who are basketball players, but not really all stars. We call this the magic syndrome, just getting players. But every once in a while, you get those players and they know how to play together. And that's the thing. This team, chemistry is way up. You and I spoke that if a bad team comes into town, they're probably going to beat that bad team. Yeah. And you know, every night, this team is going to try. Because as much as we say, these are NBA players. They definitely take some nights off. I mean, there's some nights in which to go 100%, but it seems like the Clippers, especially with guys like Montrezl Harrell, and you got Patrick Beverly, Avery Bradley, like you're never going to get a night off. And it's a fun team to watch. I'll tell you that. I never thought, and Doc Rivers isn't doing that bad of a job coaching. I've always, I always hated on Doc Rivers. I said he just gets talent, and the talent did for him. That's what I thought with the Celtics team. But yeah, I. I think it's interesting to see Doc in a different light right now mm-hmm. because right now he's coaching guys up versus guys who are already established. Like you could say he coached Blake Griffin up a little bit, but like I mean Blake Griffin, like he's taking another step after getting away from Doc Rivers. So like I think there's a certain extent where Doc didn't actually unlock all the things Blake could do, and that could come with playing with Chris Paul as well. But like I think the big thing is like Shea Gillis Alexander is really mm-hmm. outperforming what the expectation was. Like he's pushing mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly and Milos like out of the rotation, like not out because like they're getting, but they're getting less minutes than you would have expected to start this year. And uh, Avery Bradley, like he's being pushed too because like, all these small guards that they have, like Shai Gillis is not small. He's six six and he's playing point guard. Like mm-hmm. he's pushing all these little guys to actually play hard every night. So like, you're saying, yeah, we they, we take nights off, mm-hmm. but these guys are getting pushed by a rookie who doesn't have a lot of fear in his face like he's out here making making things happen and when i look at him and he's averaging 10 points and three rebounds three assists like i look at that as like wow i actually feel like he's doing more out there even though like i I can look at the stats right here and see he's clearly not he seems like he's always doing something out there on the court and then they give it to lou williams who brings him home every night every home and then you have kind of tobias harris who just maintains him steady like tobias harris is honestly one of the most steady players i've seen He's shooting like 50, he's shooting 52% field goal, his three-point shot, 44% effective. And I mean, he's probably not going to be able to stick with that. Isn't he such like just a little knockoff Carmelo Anthony? Like, isn't he's, that exactly, like, I'm talking about prime Carmelo, not not now Carmelo. And, but, and like, the thing is, he's one of those guys where like, he gets buckets, but it, do you ever get the feeling though that he's not just chucking it up though with Tobias Harris? He's not like, I'm going to just, with Carmelo, you're like, I'm chucking it up. But with him, it's like, yeah. Like it was all within the offense. It's always in the flow of it. And I would say that comes with he's not Carmelo. If if Tobias Harris came in the league with the hype Carmelo did, maybe maybe things would have been different. But this guy's always been kind of like he's got traded away from teams like so often. Like he, he was like just passed around when he was when he was yep. in the second and third year. But like he's like he was like one of my favorite two K players because his ratings were like sneaky high, and you could yeah. like actually like get off with him a little bit. And anyway, with T- Tobias Harris, man, he. He knows how to get buckets, and he 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 just he doesn't ever force anything. But like, 
Like I'm talking about, like if you just put put a video of Carmelo shooting and put a video of Tobias Harris shooting, and tell me you don't see some similarities in that release. And that's the thing, like it's they're both Carmelo in his prime. As much as people hate him, people by the way, Carmelo's going to be he's going to be a Hall of Famer. As oh, much yeah. as you hate on Carmelo, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. We're not saying Tobias is going to be, but Tobias is up there and. Looking up and down this roster, they have these players, like you said, Lou Williams still does what we need to do. I like having I like having a player like Mike Scott on that team. Just guys off the bench. They have a solid bench. Uh Gortat. Yeah. Healthy Danilo Gallinari. Oh, he is but that's how it was on the Nuggets too. Then still nice. He's still so nice because he's like a tall, small forward. He's gonna get his shot over you. Doesn't back down for anyone. And then you have Boban just coming off the bench with one of the highest PERs out there, just making things happen. That's that's all I'm going to say about this team. They're a fun team to watch. I think, yes, they're probably going to make the playoffs. They might not do a lot of damage, but they can give someone a hard series. Those are the teams that, like, you might beat them in five games, maybe six, but they're going to make your life difficult for those five, six games. Are you saying they're the Paul George Pacers? They pretty much are. Playoff people. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, no disrespect to the Clippers. I just can't put you ahead of the four teams ahead, like we've mentioned, mm-hmm. because I don't think you could beat them in a series. Like eventually, LeBron, eventually Russ, Paul George, eventually Jokic, and obviously the Warriors are going to beat you out. Yep. And I would say these next couple teams would do the same. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, Elkin, you, I feel like we're not high on them at all. I no. love the Memphis Grizzlies. We, you know, we were talking about a. a, a yeah, Thunder Grizzly series before we hit record today. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was remembering like watching those games. I you know, I went to school in Kentucky and there's some Grizzlies fans there, if there are any NBA fans in Kentucky. And so like I was watching games at Buffalo Wild Wings and like it was a pretty lively crowd hoping the Thunder would fail. Um anyway, but Mike Conley, um, like that guy right there is a great basketball player and hasn't made an all star team, won't make an all NBA team. But the guy just comes out and grinds and makes makes people around him better. This team, you know, I think it's a lot of the same in terms of what the um, the Clippers are doing. There's just a bunch of rotation basketball players out here. Mm-hmm. And Darren Jackson Jr., can we oh. just give this guy a round of applause? Chris Bosh, my man. This is who I compared him to. And I think he's way better defensively than Chris Bosh. Like, I think he'll – like, right now he's, like, as good as Chris Bosh was and Bosh's peak, and he's going to get better. And that's the thing. Like, Bosh didn't really come into his – some type of defensive peak until he got with the heat until he right. was like, Hey, you're the five, you're a five, but you're right. The Chris Bosch comparison is good. And someone even used uh, I heard recently a Tim Duncan comparison. Uh, okay. See, that's and what we need. Got, to breaks a little bit. And that's that's what I was just like, I was just like, what do you mean? I was like, you're talking about Tim Duncan. They just said like physical tool. They're like saying like, he's not going to go and get all those accolades. Cause Tim Duncan, I feel like is a once one of those once in a lifetime player. I call him the best power forward to ever play the game, by the way. The center. What'd you say? Even though he's a center. <laughs> yeah, him and Garnett were centers, and they both just were adamant about being power forwards. I don't know why. Just like Chris Weber, too. Uh, we have Vlad Divac. But you're right, Jerry Jackson Jr. And also when you see his game, you kind of get the feeling he's a little bit – I compare it to the other centers in his class, kind of like those other big men. Let's just say a Bagley, A, and Mo Bamba. It seems like he's more advanced at this. He's the youngest one out of them, and he's more advanced. I don't know if you get a different feeling, but that's how I feel. He, yes, he's foul prone. But I feel like defensively, he still knows where he's going to be. His random shot put shot, he gets it to go in, and that's what matters. And I think you put him in a team where you have two veterans like Conley and Gasol, 
which is what you need to develop a player where you need to go. Yeah, and, you know, the two big lineup, David Thorpe, um, you know, he's done a lot of work with ESPN. Yeah. Now he's working with the back-to-back podcast network. Um, anyway, he last year when the Pelicans were rocking with Boogie and Anthony Davis before they got before Cousins got hurt, he was saying go all in with big guys who have skills, and he was hoping that the Grizzlies would ship Marcus all over there. That mm-hmm. might have been a step too far in my opinion. But the point I want to make is you can still play big if your guys – have the skills to do so. Marcus mm-hmm. All and Jaron Jackson both can shoot. Marcus All not as mobile, but still pretty nifty on the perimeter. He can like do some things, although he is he does prefer to sag back. But Jaron Jackson Jr. can switch. All you gotta do is have the personnel to play big. Because mm-hmm. like think Chris Bosch today, he could still play power forward in this league. You know, if he, if he if he had the the lungs and anti blood clutch to do it, and you can still play big in this league. It's just you have to have the skills that to stay modern. And so with Marcus Saul, with with a Boogie Cousins, with an Anthony Davis, and then now a Jaron Jackson Jr., you have the ability to play small to play big and still like match up with these small teams. And that's why I think this team's gonna be an interesting matchup come playoff times if they can stay healthy, because Jaron Jackson Jr. is is so unique in the things you can do with him. And because he's young and he's got that motor, hopefully he learns some patience on the defensive end so he doesn't get as many fouls. But that's what happens when you try to block it in people's hands. I think I talked about Zach Collins, and he had a, he has really good defensive instincts, but he was he's a foul-prone guy too. Yeah. Jackson has already passed him even, I think. And it's like – it's crazy to think of where, where this team can be if they stay healthy. You know, and if Dylan Brooks gets back, that's just another six six wing to throw on people. He's a good defender, solid three point shooter. I like this team a lot, Elton. Yeah, and I mean Jaron Jackson, nineteen years old too. <sighs> can't like I can't believe that. Just looking at it. And <laughs> kind of speaking about Mike Conley, I kinda of heard did you Zach Lowe had a podcast with Mike Conley. Did. did you listen to that one? I did. One of the things that got me and I've completely forgot about this was how much the Grizzlies were trying to get a new point guard to replace him because they don't feel like they didn't think. And I thought about when did he make it? And he spoke about the Cleveland game when he hit the game winner. He's like, I finally felt like I made it. And I can remember him getting drafted in 2007. And I tried to think to myself, when did Mike Conley really come on the scene? And I was like, after 2010, going into like 11, 12, that's when people were like, oh, this guy's yeah. really good. And that's why I was kind of thinking like, we always need to – we're always quick to say, all right, this guy's going to be good, this guy's going to be good. But we really got to start pumping our brakes a little bit when it comes to like, all right, the guy hasn't played much. He's going to be a bust. I mean, yes, yeah. there's, there's some guys who come in. You kind of know like Anthony Bennett. Everyone kind of saw that happening. But Mike Conley, and defensively, I always tend to think guys who are that size because he's not that big of a guy are going to be defensive liabilities. But he's one of the quickest guys I've ever seen on the ball and off the ball as well. That's one of the things, and it just works well. I mean, I wish somehow could have had some Zach Randolph on grit and grind, but some grit and grind dynasties have to come to an end. Yeah, um, I say we, I don't, I don't go back to that, trying to find your point because when they when they got a hold of OJ Mayo in the draft, yeah. he, he was like a point guardish prospect. He was he was going to be one of those first like combo guards that was really going to do mm-hmm. you know what Russell Westbrook ended up doing. Now he just you know didn't have didn't have it all there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I still think OJ Mayo could play. Bring him to the Heat. I'll take him on. Oh, but the regardless, <laughs> regardless, uh, um, the Memphis Grizzlies are fun. They're good. They're, if you want to watch some defense, um, every once in a while, I'll turn on them. Um, they're a good team. Shelvin Mack having a little revival year, which is kind of fun. I don't know. Just just go enjoy this team, guys. Like it's a different play style. If everyone plays like the Rockets, it's not fun. 
Yeah. And I like that the Memphis Grizzlies are doing something a little different. One final thing about the Grizzlies. How do you feel about their, their makeover on the court and, and uniforms? I'm trying to think of what I think about the, the court. It's, I don't, I'm not particularly partial like or against it. Like, all right. It's just, it's I, just really weird to me. It's really weird to me how the court looks. It doesn't look filled in. It looks like just a stencil drawing on the court. I, I, I don't really have an opinion on it, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I could go back to Vancouver Grizzlies uniforms. Because I have some Vancouver Grizzlies shorts, and I love them. All right, I do the night. All right. Ethan, the next team is your uh, hometown team. That's right. Blazers. Let me let me tell you about this team. Um <laughs> Damian Lord and Stephen McCollum are really good. Okay. Yep. Both of them both of them have takeover game potential. Dame obviously is the focal point. CJ, however, is really rounding the form as of late. Um the big problem comes here is they don't have, in my opinion, Alfred Camino is, is perfectly fine. He's a good player. Um, so is Evan Turner um, off the bench when he's playing a facilitation role. They still don't have anyone through that three and four spot that can really change a game. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to be the downfall of this team because when you go against a Kawhi Leonard in, a, in an individual game setting, you go against a Kevin Durant in a playoff setting, you go against an Anthony Davis who is too quick for any of your centers and too big for any of your fours, that's a problem. We, we can remember that one easily. Um, I really like this team, Elgin. I just I wish they would draft. I wish they would focus some some resources on getting getting fours and threes that are more modern. Maurice Harkless, I think, is the closest thing, but he's still coming back from his injury and he hasn't found his legs just yet. But Caleb Swanigan, yeah. I look at that pick and just like, what were you, what were you thinking? I mean, I don't like Kyle Kuzma that much, but Kyle Kuzma would look a lot better in a Blazers jersey than Caleb Swanigan does. Anyway, not important. Even Simi Ojale would look better in a Blazers jersey wow. than Caleb Swanigan does. And it's just so frustrating. Simi Ojale would actually guard someone, you know. He, would, he wouldn't throw something randomly fancy passes, but he'd get out there and grind. I, I, I'm sorry. This, this doesn't need to be a Caleb Swanigan bashing um, podcast, even though that's primarily where I exist on that front. I don't know if there's anything interesting about this team. They're a fun team to watch between Seth Curry and Stauskas getting out and banging threes in the second unit. Uh, Sauskis, they call him. Of course, everyone's called him that. Um, Nurk has played decent. Nothing too, nothing you get too angry about. He had a three when I was watching the Magic game the other night. That's exciting. Um, yeah, no, this team they're boring, but they're fun to watch in like in an individual setting. But there's not a there's not a storyline that you're going to attach yourself to. Yeah, just looking down up and down their rosters, their stats. It's just one of those like. You you wish that CJ and Dame just had one more, just some solid piece in there because they can put it together in the playoffs. And you're right, watching their big man rotation, it would be nice if they would have kept Willie Barton. I'm just going to put that out there. Would have been really yeah, nice. I mean, I, I yeah, it, it, that makes sense theoretically. But Will Barton really shined when he left Portland. I don't know mm-hmm. if he, I don't know if he had the. I mean, I wasn't out here when he was playing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he had the personality to like butt heads enough with to get his minutes up and he's also a small guard like yeah it would be nice because he'd be another scorer but i honestly just think he needed to go somewhere else unfortunately Mm -hmm. like i just based on how he's performed when he's been elsewhere now and they're also they are giving evan turner more time to handle the ball on his own and being there without cj and dame finally give him a chance to shine evan turner may not ever live up to that 
to that contract. But well, I do like him as a player who just comes in and just does stuff around the court. Just saying, you, you, you've got to have him as a player with the ball in his hands because he's shooting a lovely 15% from three. So, yeah. Like, this is the kind of team that, like, based on the their, their unfortunate cap anyway, mm-hmm. like, if they could figure out a way to pry Otto Porter out of Washington without giving up CJ or Dame, even though Otto Porter, I don't think, pushed them over the edge, it'd be the kind of move that would, like, kind of get people excited again. Like, oh, hey. You know, we we got we got a, a three now. You know, he's Otto Porter's not not anything that's amazing, but he's much better than Evan Turner. And I I would sacrifice an Evan Turner and some bench depth for a slightly better starting lineup. Hmm. All right, I mean, not important. This team I like them. They're fun to watch. Go watch them when they play your team. But I mean, <laughs> and then we get the jump down one more tier, and this is probably a more packed tier. I call Tiers. it. Tier four, the race for eighth, really. We had the Rockets, Mavericks, Timberwolves, Jazz, Pelicans, Spurs, and Kings. So out of those seven teams, Ethan, who are you picking? Let's just not even go in the order. Who are you picking first for us to start off to make it as that eighth seed or to be one of the top eight? They might not be the eighth seed, but one of the top eight. I would not leave the Rockets out of the playoffs for anything. There, There's too much talent on that team between James Harden and Chris Paul. Um, Eric Gordon's played terrible for the most part this year. He's going to get better. Like he's he's been in the league long enough that you don't expect him to stay bad forever. He's shooting. Um, let's see, thirty one percent from three. Nah, this guy's a three point champion. He's he's not going to stay down there all year. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of Peter Tucker. I understand his value, but like he he doesn't he doesn't get me excited for anything. Clint Capella. Um, he I think they need to work him. You know, work him. Um, getting more rim runs because I, I honestly think he's being underutilized. I think you could get him even more touches, like more oops. The guy's so big, so strong. Just throw it up there, let him get it. Carmelo Anthony experience did not work out. You moved on from it early enough that it shouldn't affect the team going forward. But yeah, they they don't have the they don't have the bodies right now. James Ennis is underperformed. He's not the defensive player you needed out of him. Gary Clark has been the defensive player, but he's got to work on some offensive game. And he's also is he is he no he's not on a two way okay that's good I thought he was on a two way and I was like you guys need to go ahead and make that official that he's yeah he's part of this team but I don't know buddy like this this team again it's not an interesting team to me right now because they haven't figured out everyone's role and how they're gonna make it work yeah and I, and even and even too sorry sorry to inject even just watching like yeah James Harden he had his games like he had this good run but. His usage rate went up. I know Chris Paul was out. His turnovers are up. But it kind of seems like those big stats aren't really doing much for the team. I mean, he had probably one of the greatest defensive players of the year. I'll tell you that. With his nonchalant strip of the ball, DeMar DeRozan. So funny. It's kind of crazy that it looks – when he really looks like he isn't trying, it looks like it was the most he's ever tried on. But it just feels like this team is still – even with Chris Paul getting back there. Ethan, I can't – I don't think this team is – First of all, they're obviously not the same team as last year. But I feel like the team, as bad as I want to feel saying this, I feel like they lost their chance to really challenge the top of the West. I feel like that was it. I can't see them making, like, getting to the conference finals. That's the one thing I'm having trouble with. They still have their mid-level exception that they can use come buyout season. It's prorated, but, like, regardless, they can give someone more money than other people can come buyout season. They, They still have some guys that, 
it, depending on what picks you're willing to give up, you can pair with trades. So like it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team is not done fixing problems. You know, Brandon Knight is a, has a nice chunk of salary that he can be traded by himself along with picks, and maybe you bring something back. Marquise Chris, Brandon, I don't know if anyone still has faith in that. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things that you gotta you gotta hope that Daryl Morey has something left to um to trade and something left to to change on this team because right now there's there's not a whole lot to get excited about. Mm-mm. Oh man, this looks. But they're good because James Harden is that good. That's the thing. Like I feel like at the same time as I get at James Harden for doing some stuff he does, it seems like he's still keeping this team going. I mean, that's all you can ask for. And they did just, they just demolished the Spurs. Yeah. And Chris Paul, like we said, he's, he's missed some time. Chris Paul's obviously a floor raiser to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then looking, uh, I don't know if you want to continue with the Rockets. I was looking through the rest of the list in this tier. Let's say the Rockets do get in. That means that four teams from last year's playoffs aren't making it in. I was trying to think was the last time we had this much of a change as far as from one year to another, teams making the playoffs, not making it, and it's been a while. I'm kind of I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go down the list. The Mavericks, for me, I know this team probably wasn't intended to be as good as they're gonna be, but I feel like Luka Doncic is that's what for me the Mavericks has have been all about. Yep. Luca, he's everything that was advertised and better. And it kind of bothers me that a lot of people are like, whoa, who would have thought? But why do you think scouts still have that feeling where if a guy, if he plays overseas, has that experience, he's still not as good as someone who's played college ball or he's still not ranked as high. People have that well, hesitation still. I think with Donkage, like he, he, he blew through quite a few of those. But <laughs> it, I think it does come down to like a lot of times like here in the United States, we develop these physical specimens. Yeah. And you can't look past that sometimes. You mm-hmm. got – when you got DeAndre Ayton, who looks the way he does, when you got Marvin Bagley, who's such a rail, and just you look at that frame, though, and all the things he could do, mm-hmm. like it, it's hard to look past some of that stuff. And the, he went third in the draft, so I'm not like I wouldn't say that things hurt him that much. And he didn't want to go to the Kings, like he was he was dodging the Kings, from what I can tell. Ooh. And I, so you know, I think I think it's insane that the Suns passed on him, especially after they hired you know his um, Euroleague co- um, Slovenian national team coach. I thought that was an insane, insane thing. But um, you know what, Luca, I feel like he got a pretty fair shake in the process. You know, if you if you listen to the college a college basketball podcast, if they were talking about guys going to the NBA, then you probably wouldn't have a fair representation of what Luca was going to do. Yeah. Luca has all the skills. If that guy ever gets like in a, like a real physical shape, like I kind of look at him like, man, you know, look, take a look at Danilo Gallinari and think if he ever was like a physical specimen, how good, how much better he could have been. And Luca's already like what Danilo was at at his peak, pretty much. Yep. So if this guy gets in shape, this guy just like expands his three point shot to more than just um, throwing it in people's eye. <laughs> I feel like that's all the ones he makes is when he's shooting in someone's eye. Um, I don't know. I really like this guy. He's um he's special. Yeah, I definitely like him too. And um, man, going on to be honest, paired, paired with him. Oh, man, I just saw the Antetokounmpo on the roster. Coast, yep. so like it's a long game. They're playing the long game. 
That's right. But I don't have anything else interesting to say. I think um, I've heard, you know, I, I think I mentioned Wesley Matthews as a trade piece, depending on where yeah. the season goes. If they stay good and relevant, I would I would say um, it's 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 tying up cap space, which might not be ideal. But Tim Hardaway Jr. is better than Wesley Matthews is, and they're in the same kind of deal. The Knicks, the Knicks would be very happy to make that trade based on their cap situation. If the if the uh, Mavs want to throw it in to see if we can get Luka in the playoffs in year one, I wouldn't say it's a bad trade for the simple fact that Giannis isn't a free agent yet. Mm. True, 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 true. Well, that's all, that's all I have for the Mavericks, unfortunately. Uh, you're fine, you're fine. Because our next team coming up, Timberwolves, um, they're in that spiral. They're in the Jimmy Butler time. It seems as though Dario and, and Covington – the A, I know, provided more depth, but it kind of seems like this team is just, it's kind of like slowly turning it around. Carl Anthony Towns doing better, but Ethan, I can't get past Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen something like this. A player just fall off just so sharply. I can't, I've seen it before. I'm trying to remember who's fell off like that and who's just, I mean, he was never a top player, but you at least got production from him. And, He's fallen in love with the three-point shot. He's doing, like, horrific fadeaway twos, pull-up, like, long mid-range twos. I'll tell you this, though. It's been refreshing to see Derrick Rose. Like, I've been loving the Derrick Rose resurgence. Yeah. But it's interesting to see him shoot 50% from three. That's an interesting. That's not going to That's not gonna happen for the rest of the season. I don't know. He's shooting 85% from the line, 50% from two. Maybe this is this what Derrick Rose does now. <laughs> I Every mean, other game. If that's how Derrick Rose does, then who knows? I mean, that's great. Honestly, like, Derrick Rose, to me, should be I – mean, like, I didn't think, like, he should be a six-man of the year Yeah, candidate at this point. But what do you see from the Timberwolves as far as – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Can, can I have a real moment of honesty? Go ahead. I haven't watched the Timberwolves game since Jimmy Butler left. <laughs> I watched one game. It was, like, one of – it was one of Covington's and Cyrus's first game. I think they were playing. Maybe the second game. It was on ESPN or something. I watched some of the game and then I def. I feel like I watched them play the Warriors part of the game. That happened. If that happened since the Butler trade, I watched a little bit. But I, I do remember seeing Dario in his new number thirty six. I think. Yeah. And like I, I remember watching a little bit of them. But like I haven't sat down and really grinded over this team because do you know why? Because Andrew Wiggins is a bore to watch. Um, yeah, Dario Sarge and Covington don't move the needle in terms of watchability for me. And then Carly Towns is not, he still hasn't turned himself into assertive Carly Towns. So I don't, he's not, he's not the guy for me right now. And I, I, I that's, that's, you know, bad on me for not watching this team, but I haven't, I honestly haven't watched them. And Josh Koji, I feel like I saw in box scores that his minutes were going down. And I was like, well, that's another reason for me not to watch. Which sucks is one game I watched with him, he was just, he was shooting threes. He was moving well on the floor. He was getting into the lane. He was slashing. He was cutting. He was making shots. And I was like, wow, this guy should be getting a lot of minutes. But no, he wasn't. But that's the reason why the 11 and 12. When our team was 11 and 12, the Jazz, I've seen two games, both of the games against the Pacers. So in the second game, it was it was in Utah. And I was like, all right, no, Victor. They're probably going to be the car going to want a little revenge because we beat them by like 20. Nope. It was just, it is rough to see this Jazz team, Ethan. 
it seems like pretty much all their pieces returned, but they've gotten worse. What am I missing here? They no one can shoot threes, and that's why they went and traded for Kyle Korver, who was shooting um, sixty six percent since he's played there. That's one game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here's the point: Joe Ingles is shooting thirty eight percent, which is actually low for him. Yeah, and then of guys who play significant minutes, Alec Burks was the next best shooter on the team, and they just traded him away. But at least they got Utah Jazz legend Kyle Korver. Yeah. But he's just your, how about Gobert? Has Gobert? How do you feel like he's looked like to you? He just, I don't know. I don't. I just don't like anything he does. <laughs> he's a good player, you know, but he just he doesn't move the needle for me. He mm-hmm. he doesn't run the he doesn't crash the rim hard enough in terms of off his screens. Like he's he's a guaranteed bucket anytime you get it to him within two feet. And he, for some reason, they don't try to get Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert or um Ricky Rubio turning downhill to get him lobs more often. I feel like that's where they need to focus their offense. The thing is, it's hard to it's hard to get those layups when no one can space the floor for you. Yeah. And Joe Ingles, who needs to have the ball in his hand some, like that guy's, that guy's forced to just stand out there and catch and shoot because no one else can spread the floor for him. Now, Jay Crowder is shooting um, like 30% from three. Let me get the actual number here. He's shooting 31% from three. And he is, let me see, second on the team in attempts per game, only behind Don Mitchell, who's shooting 29% from three. Okay, this is a problem. They got to fix this, okay? Like, it's Don Mitchell, We yeah, we all fell in love with him. I still am in love with him because he reminds me so much of Dwayne Wade. You know what? Dwayne Wade didn't need a three-point shot, but if you're going to take him, you need to make him. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. And if you're you, – honestly, I don't know. Don Mitchell, I, he, he had that game where he had no assist, and he's like, that's not me. And the next game he came out and played super passive. Like, mm-hmm. the guy just needs to understand that he's the best player on this team in terms of creating offense, and he needs to play as such. The guy's not a bad shooter. He's shooting 8% from for the free throw line. But if, if – if maybe what needs to happen is they need Ricky Rubio to step up and play more of the facilitating role and get Don Mitchell coming off screens, get him some open looks. I feel like he, I feel like he is having to work super hard for every attempt, field goal attempt he takes. Hmm. By the way, random, random stat. Dwayne Wade shot in his second year in the NBA, shot 28.9% from the three point land, just a random stat, which is exactly the same thing, but you want to know how many threes he took per game that season? Um, guessing less than two. Yep, zero point six. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say less than one, but I was like, ah, young Dwayne Wade, maybe. maybe you gotta <laughs> um, another team who had to move along this tier, the Pelicans. The Pelicans for me, they were just. They seemed like they were on a tear, and then now it's just back down to reality. I mean, you have Anthony Davis as being Anthony Davis, holidays being a healthy holiday. And Julius Randle is doing what he needs to do off the bench. Yeah. Etwan Moore had himself a nice little run for like a week. But it seems like the team is just now, this is what they are, a 500 team. I mean, if you look at their pieces on their rosters, this is almost expected that. And Anthony Davis, he's carrying them. most. Some nights he just carried the entire team. But to me, I try to think if Boogie would have had the Achilles injury, I feel like, I mean, is it pretty certain that New Orleans would have just went ahead and signed him? For that max, right? I think so. Like it maybe you could have got like a Giannis type of discount where it would have been a little cheaper than the full max. But yeah, I think I think so. I think of where this team could have been because 
last year that team was so much fun. When you had yeah. those pieces, Boogie, Holiday, and Davis all healthy, that was a really fun team. They gave team fits. Yeah, and it would have been it, things would have been different, you know. Um, that's what happens. Injuries derail derail franchises. Look at the Orlando Magic. Um, you're so right. And where but, do you where do you see the Pelicans right now? As far as there seems like they're just going to keep kind of hovering around this a little bit above, a little bit below, and it seems like there's no getting out of it. Who's their bucket getters on this team? That's the thing. They have Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Nikola Meritich can get a bucket on his own, but for the most part, it's a, a dependent talent. Julius Randle is a bench bucket getter. He is a bully. He just bullies people. It's fun mm-hmm. to watch right. him in person. Unfortunately, Anthony Davis didn't play the game. They came to Portland, but I went to it hoping to watch him. Instead, I got to watch Julius Randle bully people for three quarters, and the Blazers figured it out after that. But, like, I look at all these dependent talents. Each one more. Catch-and-shoot guy for the most part. Alfred Payton's been hurt, so he doesn't really count. Darius mm-hmm. Miller, catch-and-shoot guy. Wesley Johnson probably doesn't need to be in the NBA. Solomon Hill stinks out loud. Ian Clark can catch-and-shoot sometimes, but not this year, apparently. Tim Frazier, he's he's back now. I mean, like, this team does not have it. They're missing – They're miss, like, this is a team that needs to seriously consider, and this would be, cr- like, actually a huge improvement – they need to seriously consider trading for Otto Porter Jr. because he's a guy who could make a heck of a difference. And they haven't had any any good wingman. No, year. when your when your actual small forwards like small forward size is Darius Miller, Wesley Johnson, Solomon Hill, you have problems because each one more I know is playing small forward, but that guy is six three. He's a he's pretty much a combo guard. At this that point. guy I feel like started games at point guard for the Bulls. He did. Do you remember who Anthony Davis really first wingman small forward was when he came into the league? Mm, no, Tyreek uh, Evans would have been there, but Alfaru Camino was so that's pretty much almost like the peak of who he's had. Yeah, Tyreek had a hard time being healthy and good when he played yep. in New Orleans. Alfaru Camino, that's funny to see that he was the small forward. Now he's a power forward for the Blazers. Time to change in the NBA. And people are – I heard one of those podcasts where they were saying they should just – Norland should just go ahead and trade Davis now, convince a team like he'll – they'll get him for like two years left on his contract. And Anthony Davis seems like he's not going to be the type of guy to come out and say, like, I want to trade. But I hate to see his career. Like, he's – what do you have – you probably have basketball reference pulled up. Is he 25, 26? I can click here in a second. Because it seems like he's just – he has to be at, at least. He is in his. Let me see. He is in his age twenty five season. He's almost twenty six. And that's the thing. He's he's about to hit his prime, and he's wasting it all. It almost feels like Garnett two point It it does have a lot of those similarities. I just wonder, like um, Brian Windhorst and someone else brought up the fact that the Celtics are like the one team that can't trade for him that are like. <clears throat> someone who would trade for him because they have Kyrie Irving on the same type of contract that Anthony Davis is on. Apparently you can only have one. You can only trade for one of those contracts. You could, you could have your own, but you can only trade for one of those. Mm -hmm. So to get him, they'd have to trade Kyrie Irving. I think that would be a mistake. Um, Be a free agent. Yeah. So come off season, then, then things change. And when Anthony Davis turns down the um, uh, designated player Mm -hmm. contract, um, that's when you have to trade him, and then we'll see what happens. 
because yeah. once he turns that down, you can't have faith that he's going to sign it. So yeah. when, he, when he's playing with the Lakers here in a little bit, we'll all be like, well, he's not being wasted anymore. And he's got LeBron James as his small forward running mate. Wow. Uh, moving along, the last two teams in this tier. First one, the Spurs. Oh, Pop's, Pop's trying his best to keep that ship afloat, but I think Pop has lost his motivation for basketball. Just see how what his comments were about everyone just shooting threes. He's like, mm-hmm. it's not pretty, it's not beautiful basketball anymore. And like, it is a little bit ironic because I feel like Pop Pop is one of the reasons that basketball is played like this. Because you remember the first. His team, along with like the Suns, but he was on the main people in the 2010s to kind of like usher in, like spread the floor, yeah, and just do that. So, but this team, like, it just comes down to they they don't play any defense, and that's so weird to see from a Spurs team. But if you look at their personnel, they don't have the personnel to play defense. Like, who's a good defensive player? Marcus Aldridge is a pretty solid defensive center, but with Murray out, DeRozan's not defense. That's not a defensive player. Patty Mills, Derek White can't play defense. Marco Bellinelli, Brent Forbes, no one plays defense. Rudy Gay and Dante Cunningham might be the second and third best defensive players on this team. And it and it gets me because just like two seasons ago with Kawhi Leonard at his peak, it felt like Kawhi Leonard was the anchor of that team, and that team was one of the best defense. I know they had some other guys there, but he was the defensive anchor, and he kind of showed. I mean. Yes, you could swap Kawhi Leonard for a guy who also scores around the same amount of points as Kawhi, but it doesn't replace him. And just seeing the way that Kawhi's been, how things been going in Toronto, it's almost like, well, it is what it is. The Spurs had to do it, but still, it kills me a little bit. Yeah, and you look what the what the um, Raptors did around DeRozan with Kyle Lowry, good to point guard defender, Valanciunas mm-hmm. and Ibaka, above average defenders. Definitely have their niches of what they do. Last mm-hmm. year, OG Anubi added to the um, the wing rotation. Like they've they've had guys out there that are defensive players, mm-hmm. and the Spurs right now don't have any of those. I was like, I think Pau Gasol, we could nominate him as your fourth best defensive player on this team. Like that's mm-hmm. terrible. That's a terrible statement at this day sta- at this stage of Pau Gasol's career. So. I just wanted to throw all that stuff out there and express my frustration with how this team's been put together. Um, honestly, I think Giante Murray would make a big difference in terms of defensive f- players for this team. Um, I'm not sure if offensively he'd make the team any better, but I don't know. It's just kind of sad to see this team fold up the way it has. It started off the year decent, but I, I just don't know where their, their path to get better is, and that's what makes me the most sad, I think. I mean, this might just be a lost season. At the end of the day, that's just what it might be. And last team in this tier, the Kings, Sacramento Kings, which one of the funnest teams, the Aaron Fox. Oh, man. Got to love that guy. Honestly, I love watching him play. Like every night, every time I've seen them play on ESPN or NBA TV, TNT, like he, he honestly is the main reason why I watched him play. I mean, Buddy Hill. I've been I've been enjoying watching him. Just yeah. him, not the most athletic guy, but he literally mm-hmm. runs around and shoots threes, and he's become one of the better three point shooters. Willie Colley Stein, even though I'm upset about what happened, my guy. Yeah, that is true. He's been good to watch, and then even Marvin Bagley. I know there was a little controversy. People got on on Yeager saying you should play Bagley more. Maybe you're you're playing these veterans too much, but. Bagley's coming along, but De'Aaron Fox for me is that engine. I think one of the big reasons why that team is as good as it is because De'Aaron Fox, it seems like he almost took just a leap 
compared to all the other second-year players. Yeah, I think um, De'Aaron Fox, the big difference in his game is he's now he's playing with different paces. And mm-hmm. if, we, if, we, if, we were, if we were doing a podcast four years ago, we would have t- said the same thing about John Wall and how like that's the, that's the improvement he made. But De- John Wall did that like four years into his career, not, not in the second season. De'Aaron yeah. Fox really learned his pace and how to change them to get defenders on their heels. Like last year, I mean, like I think the, the Kings were 2-0 against the Heat last year. But, like, I remember De'Aaron Fox just dribbling into trouble and throwing stuff up and it not being as effective. Whereas nowadays, he's he's pacing. He gets the defender to lean. When they come back to recover, that's when he goes by him. He's still got that incredible, like, just burst. He jumps, almost jumps out of his shoes when he's trying to run. And it's it's really fun to watch. Um, I think the craziest thing, no, like, <laughs> the, like I'm, I'm switching from De'Aaron Fox, is Iman Shumpert. What happened? <laughs> Where did this guy come from? He just, like, has a resurgence. I don't know where, what happened. He's just like, hey. Remember me, guys? Well, I'm back. Yeah. I, this team just has so many, like, fun pieces. And it, it'd be fun to see, like, who could who could steal a couple of these players away. Like, I think Shumpert is a, a player, especially on an expiring deal, someone should take a risk on. Um, Bogdan, I, lo- I love watching him play. You know, he's 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 chipper. You, you watched that game last night, didn't you, the Bogdanovich Bowl? Oh, uh, yeah. And then those guys pretty much led their teams. Yeah, it was fun to watch. I think I'm, no, but it's a really fun team. I really like this team. I've enjoyed them. And Sacramento needs a team like this. Like, I would have loved, I know they're doing good, but I would have loved if they just would have had like one more bad season and got in a high pick. Would have loved that. Just get that one more piece, but well, I don't have their pick this year anyway. Yeah. So maybe next year. <laughs> That's the year they need to try because is it Celtics who still has their pick? Yeah. Yeah. Top what? Oh, it's I can't remember if it's because it came from the Lakers, I think, and then it was part of that, or you know, it came from the Sixers. It's part of that Fultz trade. So, like, unless it's like number one overall, I think it goes to the Celtics. Mm. Uh, and the last team in their own tier, in the fifth tier, are the Suns. Looking at the standings too, it's kind of depressing. You have the Spurs in 14th place in the West at 10 and 12, and then you have just a drop. To the Suns, who are four and eighteen, yes. And I don't know why the Suns are going to be competitive. I mean, you have Devin Booker playing point guard at times because they still don't have a point guard, which is kind of. Well, they keep sending the point guards they have away. True. Tyler Yolis, bye bye. Isaiah Cannon, bye bye. Like we don't want you. Actually, we just wanted to act like we were going to get a point guard. And then you have T.J. Warren, their second leading scorer, who happens to be shooting forty-five percent from three, shooting four. I could see that still leveling off at like thirty-eight. That guy's always been a bucket. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if like ah, forty-five is, is that's really, high. That's very yeah. That's that's rich, but I, he's gonna he's a good enough player that I I could see it sticking up, staying high, but not that high. And then Aiden, he's kind of just what we expected. So yeah, Gene. Defensively, he still has some ways to go, but oh, a lot of ways. Oh, a lot of ways, Elkin. He's got a long ways to go. He's and then remember when people were comparing him, Joel and Bead in the in the draft, and then it kind of sucks because I feel like Joel and Bead is one of those rare talents, a combination of like speed, touch. DeAndre Aiden, like I just don't think he's processing things fast enough. Like he's got the athleticism to do it. He's just not processing things fast enough. And I just don't see where he like I was hoping kind of that Tyson Chandler would be on this team like longer. I I eventually said he'd get bought out, but like 
I was hoping he'd be on this team long enough that he could maybe get in Aiton's head a bit about how to, you know, process the information. But obviously he's been gone for a while now. And DeAndre's going to have to figure it out for himself. But he, his physicals are still there. Like He's a, he's a guy you, 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 you think you can throw the ball to and get a bucket. You know, he makes his free throws. He's a solid shooter. Um, I still like him. I just, you know, I think when we were talking about draft time, I was like, He's the kind of guy you have to kind of have to take because of all the potential he has. Yeah. But he's going to leave you wanting because there's something missing that's hard to put your finger on. I love Warren, though. He's fun. And this team's definitely going to be on the team's getting a top pick. Yeah. I, w- I wish they would get a point guard, but there's not really any strong point guards coming out in this year's draft. Langford. What? Jim Romeo Langford. Okay. New Albany's finest who had a horrible game against Duke. Hey, here's the thing. I, I won't let you trash him like that because, yeah, he didn't play great. But he was – did you see how the defense just shifted every time he touched the ball? Oh, yeah, I saw that. He literally had two or three guys focusing on him, and then there is no one really there to take off the pressure. Whereas Duke, oh, let's focus on, on Barrett. Oh, yeah, we have Zion Williamson. All right, we're going to focus on Zion Williamson. Oh, here comes Cam Reddish. Oh, we're going to cover of these three guys. Oh, we got Trey Jones just hovering around. Making, it, making plays, good passes. Yeah. which is, He's literally like almost a copy of Tyus Jones. Like Tyus Jones made yeah. that 2014-15 Duke team go. Yeah. But besides all that, um, that's our Western Conference. So I guess the last thing I want to talk about is like – are we really going to have the Rockets, Jazz, not going to make the playoffs? It's like right now, if like the end, season ended today, the Jazz would not make the playoffs, and like that's crazy to me. I thought they had a good chance of being the second best team in the West, and they're, they just haven't been. Yeah, I thought they were going to make a jump. I was like, they pretty much brought back everyone. Good defensive team. Snyder's a good coach. So, is there. So what's the trade then? Because obviously the Derek favors. Like I'm not sure. Like you know, he's one of those guys that's hard to tell if he's you know is he healthy because he, he he's such a lumbering guy these days. But like, is there a trade that's going to have to happen to make this team good again? I think there has to be enough. Shooting. They need shooting, no doubt. Part of me, I understand why the sign. I wish they wouldn't have signed favors. I really wish. I think that it was the time to move on from favors. Yeah, it's one of those things like who are you gonna get for that sixteen million though? Especially when you had bird rights, so you could go over the cap with him a little bit. And that's what I get too. But it's just it's disappointing. But we we've seen this before, like teams who it's like, all right, they're trending the right way, and then just like that, things aren't working. Shots that were falling before weren't working. Chemistry that was working before wasn't working. I was trying to look up and down their roster, look, watch, go back some of the games, look at box scores, and I'm like, all right, what's going on here? What things are different? You know, I'd, I probably would like to see play for this team. Like it, I don't, I don't think it'd be a perfect long-term fit because I don't think he'd stick around. Mm-hmm. But if you could figure out a way to send Favors and Rubio both out and bring in Beal, mm-hmm. like it, it'd be a three-team trade because I think I don't think the Wizards would take back Rubio. I could, I could see him taking back Favors because they they need a big man. Mm-hmm. Howard's hurt and they haven't had the replacement for Gortat in any regard. Um. But like, if you could make Dom, put Don Mitchell at the point, and mm-hmm. then Bradley Beal running, running at two, I think that could give you the the new offense you need, along with Joe Ingles, who could still do a lot more setting up if both those guys are off ball 
and being a catch and shoot threats. But I, just, I can't figure out. I've been actually working on that for a while. I can't figure out anything that would make sense. So no, no dice here yet, but I'm thinking. Just want to try. Just want to drop that into the the thought, the thoughts of all our listeners. Man, he came in the 2010 draft. He was a number three pick. I forgot about that. Talking about favors. Yeah. Oh man, Wesley Johnson was the fourth. Oh boy. Yeah. How about that, Johnny? Johnny Flynn. Demarcus Cousins. Johnny Flynn wasn't in that one. Oh no, that's that's a year earlier. Never mind. But you have Demarcus was in here. Paul George and Gordon Hayward were in this one. I would hate would have hated to seen Demarcus Cousins end up. I, I would hate to see Demarcus Cousins get drafted before. <laughs> Man, what would have happened if Demarcus Cousins wouldn't have gotten drafted by the Kings and then would have fallen to Golden State through the next pick? There's a there's a tweet about that that the Kings have had the pick in front of the Warriors every for every piece of the uh, the puzzle. It's like Kurt between Curry Thompson. Like only Durant is the only guy they couldn't have gotten. Yeah. Well, well was a second round pick. They probably could have got him. Oh, true. Ethan, I believe that's our Western Conference. Um, we see where it's at. Definitely, the Western Conference is a lot better than the East this year. But the top teams, though, the top teams in the East, they're dangerous. Don't sleep on them. They're dangerous. The Headband Brothers. Honestly, right now. I would like I would take the Raptors over any Western Conference team except for the Warriors. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think the Celtics are going to figure stuff out still. They've started to figure some things out. Yeah. And I think those Pistons, five-game winning streak Pistons. Shout out to Richard. Now yeah, shout out to Richard. The Sixers are going to be spicy. We know around All-Star break or buyout time, they're going to start winning for God. After All-Star break, let's go March. March, March is a good buyout time. Mm-hmm. Snatch, probably snatch up like one or two players. Hopefully, the Pacers with Victor Oladipo they can do what they need to do. Can you, no. imagine, can you imagine if they would have drafted OG instead of TJ Leaf? <sighs> then that gets me mad every time. That's why on 2K, that's, that's the first trade I try to make, even though 2K won't let me make it. Trade. And it's even like you would have followed the model white guys in Indiana graduates or players. Uh, I'm telling you, man, like it's frustrating. I got so frustrated. This is how bad of a GM I was. I traded TJ Leaf and two number one picks, first round picks for OG out of spite. And then I deleted that franchise because of how stupid that trade was and how mad I was. Now you don't need you don't need picks in 2K. <laughs> that is true. But no, Ethan, but that's all I have. Um, and that is our pod for the week. All right. Let's enjoy the rest of our Sunday. See you next week. <laughs>